CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. And the box is back. The State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports is back in your ear hole once more. All box, all the time. Step three. Yes, you know the deal. We back, baby. We back with a bang. The Brian Campbell, the voice that you hear right now. What a week to be a boxing fan. What a week for the State of Combat podcast. 24 hours ago, we launched a special bonus interview special. Tony Harrison, Jermel Charlo, sitting down with your boy BC, getting you all kinds of fired up for Saturday's Fox rematch. Super welterweight title, 154, junior middle, whatever you want to call it. This week, right now, today, it's the regular box preview, review, recap look forward show we got a lot to chat about coming off of big wins from bud crawford teofimo lopez jr virgil ortiz jr lot to spin forward with a big weekend to come and news in between it's the holiday season folks so whoop-de-doop in dickery doc five-star review season please spread it forward apple Podcasts, spotify wherever wherever you consume fine audio please Pour it, pour some on us. Come on, let me, let me put some water on your ball. Thank you, thank you. We want to keep doing this. We want to keep doing this for free, all right? I don't want to put you on my Patreon, okay? All right? That's how it goes. Um, I have a co-host with some Pinoy guy, some ginger. Let me bring him in right now. He's my best friend in boxing, New York Times best-selling author, former Filipino television icon. And the features writer for boxing on the athletic.com. Purchase your subscription now. It's Rafe Bartholomew. Boom, boom, boom. Rafe Boogs from your home city of New York right now. How is it, bro? This, Brian, is where it all went down, not only for Terrence Bud Crawford and Teofima Lopez last weekend in Madison Square Garden, but for me in my life, 37 long years ago, when I was put on this earth, grew up in this very room. I'm surrounded by relics from my youth, thinking, wait, going and having nostalgia trips. I got 12-inch LPs. I've got eight inches of steel or whatever that thing you play. Yeah, but I mean, 
I want an 11 inch penis. It's not going to happen. Uh, for people that don't know that Rafe grew up on on the Big Island of Manhattan, his bedroom, which he's in right now, I've 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 uh, you know great great place to uh to make yourself feel like it's 1998 all over again, Rafe. It's a time capsule of New York, Rafe. Back just that, just letting everyone know that I did have VC in my bedroom. It did happen. Uh, back it when New exist. York. Was- <laughs> No, 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 it didn't. Back you when, know it, you know it, it did exist. It did exist. Back when New York was still New York, as Rafe Bartholomew once said, back when people like Barbecue Bob were refereeing games. Um, can we get an origin story on that, fella? Uh, Barbecue Bob apparently was nice with it in his day, and that is how he became one of the mainstays in the Carmine Recreation Center, now unfortunately renamed the Tony Dapolito recreation center who cares about that what dell the funky homo sapien what's going on here don't even get well he look he dell is from oakland not new york so that is a big mark against him but he was my favorite rapper for a long time mr so dapolino mr tony dapolino is that where you're going with this <sighs> you you should you're, you're getting me off track with the new york stuff but you really ought to revisit the collaboration no need for alarm a 1993 or 94 album i had the uh, you ain't listened to it, apparently. <laughs> I can hear Jimmy. I can hear Jimmy. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you just like to listen to the skinhead white rap. I know. I understand. Hey, I was at uh, Skinheadville over the weekend, Las Vegas, UFC 245. I know you didn't listen to any of our MMA pods that went out there, Rafe, but did, did it fall on your radar at all? There was a pretty decent uh, fight card they put on. Of course it fell on my radar. I am a combat sports journalist. My radar is spread. I, I, I watch sumo wrestling on Twitter sometimes. Actually, those clips are awesome. When, when the random sumo guys come out oh. and they tweet the highlights and you're like, damn, this is dope. I mean, um, it's not, it's not for everybody, Rave. Everybody, everybody's different. I don't want to watch two grown men with panties on. <laughs> wrestling, I mean, I'm from the hood. I, we don't, we don't play that. Rave, I thought you were from the hood. I guess, I guess it's on brand, that, right? That is a good description of sumo wrestling. I mean, those guys do have weird hair and panties on. Um, yeah, I heard about that, uh, that, that, Co- Co- Covington fight or whatever the man's name is the some uh MAGA guy uh <laughs> he, he got he got his jaw broken I saw some nice highlights I heard it was a fun fight five rounds it sounded good yeah it was a pretty good challenge oh that's gonna be a challenge <laughs> <laughs> he brought all of the whores to the war I yeah. mean he was ready <laughs> oh yeah Rafe oh hey it's it's basically like year end time you and I need to um Set some time away, sit down and do one of them uh, year-end review award shows. Best of the decade, Rafe? You ready for that, Jam? You you know nothing gets my highfalutin, I'm better than this vibes up more than having to do lists and best of the decade and rankings. I, you know what? I don't just think that I'm better than that, Brian. I think that you're better than oh, that. Stop. And listener, I think you're better than it too. But you know what? We're still gonna yeah, do yeah. it. I'm Ray Charles to the bullshit. Yeah, we're still we're still gonna be a part of that BS, Rafe. Indeed. I got so much new sound on this board today, Rafe. Courtesy of you. Alright? I got so much uh trouble on my mind, right? Refuse to lose, you know? Here's your ticket. And the drummer get wicked. Are you, you, you speaking the what I'm speaking? Is that like Public Enemy or something? Yeah, 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 it is. Okay. 
I will admit to not being a huge. I'm a little bit too young to have no, gotten no, no. into Public Enemy. Like it's because I start. It's, I li- I bought the records no, no, no. after I became like a a hard like an underground Fat Beats backpacker head. But I, 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 it never spoke to me in the same way as some of uh, as Dale the Funky Homo Sapien. I don't care if people call me out for that. Well, I I was I was knee deep in in Prime PE. All right, all right. I had them all. Okay, the first uh, compact disc I ever bought was a Public Enemy one. I had it. I had it all, Rafe. All right, I lived that life. Okay, nine one one is a joke, right? Yeah, can't trust it, bro. Don't believe the hype, right? All right, all right. Okay. Just tell your parents, just hi. Hi, hi. Come back. I'm back. I'm back. My parents bought me many of those uh, cassette tapes. You should have saw them. Like what birthday? I mean, birthdays. To be honest, we're not the worst days because I'd be getting like uh, brand Nubian on cassette tape. Now, now you are speaking my language. I'd right? getting... Do not slow down. Keep talking. Did you even get down with um, the Beastie Boys Check Your Head album, which was like early, almost like pre-early grunge? Well, now you're really – I did not know, and it took me a while to get into the Beastie Boys. I will admit – I actually didn't even get that into them until I, 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 of course, let me name drop here. I actually met a couple of them. Used to, used to, I got in, got invited to a basketball game, not a very good basketball game, but I was like one of the young, young guys from the neighborhood they brought in there to, to liven it up a little bit and uh, was playing with MCA and Ad Rock when I was in high school, actually. And then, and then into college. And, uh, and, you know, yo, it was classic, classic playing with, Really admirable, famous people vibes, the same as when I went on to play with the great Bill Simmons. Uh, you, you feed them the ball. You wait for them to get open. You get, you make sure they get their, you, you get them off. You know, you get the, you let them get their shots. Uh, get them off. Yeah, right. you get them off. Okay. In basketball. Okay, I see where you're going right there. Uh, did, um, all right. Uh, would you think that Bill Simmons would categorize you as a ginger, Rafe? He better not. That that will be the last straw. <laughs> that the them are fighting words. Yes, yes, yes. I am not ginger. <laughs> I was like, mate, I've seen your profile bit. You're 100 percent ginger. He's right. I, I've got nothing wrong with ginger people. I like ginger people. But embrace it, Canelo. Exactly, Rafe. Like Canelo, right? Embrace it. I am it. not embracing it. I'm not going to embrace that. I heard. I heard a few things about the ladies, though, Rafe. I do like ginger. All right, all right. Just, just a little heads up. Hey, it works for Canelio. Um, we do have a great show for the people today, Rafe. We got a lot to review, a lot to preview, uh, a lot of sound to drop. I mean, you know what season it is? Well, it's seatbelt season. I'll tell you that much. But uh, seatbelt season ended in October, Chief. Uh, I will tell you, it's. Rag on Fat Ruiz season. Are you are you caught up on all your uh, on all your uh, wow? People are just I mean, people are just coming after that man's body, Ray. Oh wait, <laughs> she was a very big fat person. <laughs> yeah, she was a big girl. So. I mean, we all know yeah. that that fat people can fight, Rafe. But um, are you, you want me to run? Can I give you a rundown, a, rub, a rubdown of the latest uh, trends? And here, here's here's Polly. On Andy Ruiz Jr. laying that egg again, and then eating it against Joshua. And part of the reason it was flustered wasn't just because of the movement, but also because he came in like a fat tub of shit, and and and, and 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 he ruined his chances of closing the gap the right way. You know what I mean? I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, at least somebody got the weight right. And then there's uh, even Dwyer chirping in. This isn't anything close to Andy Ruiz being a potted plant in the ring. 
Oh, I mean, come on. I mean, like, I expect that from the Bob Arams of the world. Louise abnegated those responsibilities by coming in looking like a fat pig. Rafe? Yeah, I think that was quite a rundown. I think of all of those, Bob, uh, not that... Not that I'm surprised, but I I was I was kind of hoping that Bob Arum wouldn't tap dance on Andy on the the, the grave of Andy Ruiz's career. Uh, and, and you know, and Andy of course could resurrect it once again. But you know, it was nice to see Top Rank taking the high ground after he Andy had that great moment and had you know was six months on top of the world and saying, look, we we knew that he had this talent and we wish him the best and all blah blah all those nice words. I. I, I I suspected it wasn't 100. There was also a a dark underbelly to that. A, God damn it! How did this happen now? But <laughs> but you know what? I, I I I liked it. I was like, all right, way to go, guys. We're we're playing nice here. There but is no- a nicer way to do it. Paulie came back around again in the end. There's a nicer way to say it than fat tub of s. Seen what he can do. He's seen the quality that he is. Just just has to stay away from the fridge, bro. You know what I mean? Like the, you know, like do you want to be great or do you want to be uh, um, uh, you know, do you want to be, do you want to just eat? You know, what I mean? you know what I mean? That's that's a much more polite way of of settling it, right? Everybody gotta eat, baby. I yeah. don't know what's wrong. I eat steak every day, right? Okay, all right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. Um. Hey, you know, you you put yourself out there on the national international level and and you show up with uh tattoos and titties then you know you're <laughs> you're gonna be open to the uh, i mean at least he didn't get knocked out cold i mean like that's the thing he actually fought okay the problem was we needed him to to fight better to actually be less fight. Yeah. be less stay away from the fridge bro yeah yeah that's that's it that's it um rafe what's going on in your uh your personal life how are things rafe fantastic brian it's another another week in boxing i it's a little bit warmer here in new york than it was in detroit and uh get to see you know big g not not uh the father of roberto garcia but big g g bart bartholomew my father jeffrey big g who once uh took you to a fight involving triple g versus super g in verona new york there were at least five G's in that crowd. Did you listen to a cassette tape of Ice T OG, original gangster on the way up? I listened to Colors a little bit when I was a kid, the soundtrack, and that's the the the, the, the song that played at the end of New Jack City. But other than that, I I was more of an Ice T the actor man, surviving the game, revisit that collaboration. Always in my favorite folder, to, favorite folder to tell you the truth. I think that uh, Juice and New Jack City both still hold up very well. You won't have any arguments for me with that. And by that the whole, way, the, the whole that whole that whole bubble that 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 moment in time when we got all of the good. Um, I don't know, boxing is a hood sport. We got all the good hood movies yes. back then. Uh, Menace. The West Coast ones, that even South Central with uh, with uh, the with uh, Larry Guillard Jr. who went on to star in The Wire was another one. Don't be a menace to South Central when you're well, not not not. Don't be a menace. That was good too, honestly. Great soundtrack. I still favor the Lost Boys remix of Renee from the soundtrack over the album cut, which is a really really bad take. 
I still stand by the Juice man. soundtrack as maybe being the best soundtrack I've ever owned, Rafe. All right? Even better than I'm Forrest I'm above the rim, man. Okay. You're a big fan of Leon and Corduroy Pants on 8-Foot Hoops. I know it. Uh, Rafe, I wanted to ask you, since your ear was to the ground in Detroit, you were a man of the Midwest. How big is the buzz right now for Detroit's finest Tony Harrison trying to put a second L on Jermel Charlo, who I already know he's the best. And... Is that that's exactly? I thought I just heard you play the sound drop of Jermel, sound drop of Jermel Charlo right there, Brian. You sound exactly like him when you do it. Uh, yeah, well, Amazing. I'm a journalist, just like Marcos Vieja, so I can fool uh, you. I can present that as if it's live. Yes. Um, there. So Tony Harrison was back in Detroit for Thanksgiving. He did. He gave away turkeys. He was part of Detroit's Thanksgiving Day Parade. He, you know, got got around the community. But he's been training for this fight in uh, St. Pete at uh, Keith Thurman's yes. gym. Yes, interesting, interesting. So he hasn't he hasn't been around really blowing it up like normal. But you know, there's he he does get love in the city. He is. I mean, he's one of the the only prominent. Detroit boxer right now, for better or worse, the only guy with a championship belt, and he's he matters. People care. I will say that I I talked I was I was talking to some guys in a bar last week, and the only and they were you know interested in boxing but not but more casual fans. The uh, and the only fighters they knew off the tops of their heads were Deontay Wilder and Javante Davis. So even in in the uh, his own city, there are bigger stars. Interesting, interesting. Are you okay with, uh, even though we still have Harrison Charlo too this weekend, Gervonta against Gambo on the 28th, are you okay that everybody's rolling out their fighter of the year, fight of the year, the damn BWAA does their voting in like early November? Are you okay with this, Rafe? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, who cares? If you miss one, who cares? Go back and change it. The chances, because especially especially with on the media side, look, BWAA doesn't really have a excuse because they're not going to award anything until April. You can wait. They can wait. They could do a lot of things. They could kiss my ass. Um, but yeah, they ain't getting my my annual money. I'm I'm not a part of these fraternities. Never have. Look, I never joined a fraternity. I'm not joining this one. I do not want to pay to belong to any club so I could get an award. Ahem. I also blocked me on Twitter for reasons that were never explained. Um, was that a was that a subtweet at Eric Raskin for all his compilations of BWAA writing runner-ups? I have no clue. I, I, is he still involved? I, look, there's a lot of good people and good writers and friends of ours who are part of the organization, and I understand why they do it. Um, and I especially think it's valuable that the way the BWAA keeps alive the work of people like Springs Toledo and Jack Slack, these kind of – who are more on the fringes of the mainstream media world. They they do really good work. They devote their a big portion of their lives to writing about history. They got books on Harry Greb, stuff that like matters yeah. and is not just part of the churn. And, and so that I, I really value about the BWAA. But – I'm just I'm I'm a I'm a jerk who doesn't like to join things, and so I'm I'm on the outs of that one. Keep but, that money, player. Yes, I'm with right. you. I, I want that six dollars a year, whatever it costs. Um, but uh, no, they don't really need to announce their nominations this early because they're not going to award anyone until April, right? That's what usually when it happens. The media outlets that makes more sense because 
nobody in the world cares about your end of year awards at the beginning of the next year. So you got to rush them out. You don't have a choice. I'm not rushing them. It's all about the clicks, baby. Everybody got to eat, baby. No. And we're going after that. No, I say you wait until after the fights end, okay? What the hell goes on in the first two weeks of January? Nothing. Why are we all rushing our our best of lifts out in December? I mean, get off Check my the timeline. Check the because you want to, because people will, because more, the most amount of people are going to look at the first big list that comes out. Then a smaller number of that group looks at the second list. If you're the last one out, you're only going to get the most bored degenerates who have nothing to do but read your list. I did it all for the nookie. You can take my clicks, Rafe. Okay. That's all I care about. Rafe, I did want to ask you, um, I don't know if we're doing another show before Christmas. This may be the last show we do before the holiday season. So, we do want to wish, uh, wish our, our our listeners well, but also a guy who's a big part of this show. Hi, it's Dwyer. The week of the fight. Rafe, my New Year's resolution this holiday season of giving is to reach back out to Big Rich. I know he's got the war beard going on, the deep playoff beard going on right now, but I want to make amends. I want to contact him. I want to reach out. I want to touch him. You know, contact me. Let's work it out. Yes, Rich. Let's fight. No, 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 Rich. No, no, Dwyer. Rafe, I mean, what? what is what is your thoughts, perceptions on what a new year, a new dawn could bring in the relationship between Richard Dwyer and this show? Because he plays a big part in this show, Rafe. Pretty simple, Brian. Do not fall in love with a YouTube commentator who no longer exists. Stop that. It does exist to me, right? <laughs> it's it's real to me, damn it. Yeah, please, please. Um I just I I want that meeting to go so well. I don't know. I don't know if it can. I don't you're know. You're building if it's it possible. up too much. You're you're almost ensuring that it's going to be bad. You know, this is this is you're you're setting yourself up for another Tyson Fury situation yeah, where you go in going there. On? I've been sent your, to hell a with few your times. soundboard loaded. You're ready to just Show all your love and appreciation, and he looks at you like, what is wrong with you, dude? All right. Maybe there is something wrong, Rafe. All right. But we do have people that join the show and love me. Did you hear this little outtake from my Teofimo Lopez Jr. interview when I asked him about Honduran fighters? We we got, como we say, huevos. We got big balls. Huevos. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I think, honestly... <laughs> um. He gets us. He gets us, Rafe. Okay. Did you did, did you ask if he's ever had water poured on them? No, 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 no. Cojones, bollocks, testicles, whatever you want to call them. Joshua, don't have any. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, we're gonna get into that. Apparently, they might spar together. Lots to get into. It's also Rafe. Good lord, how'd I bury the lead? It's Jeff Horn fight week. Oh my God. He may not have business getting up for good from a potential body shot this weekend from Guy Ritchie. We're going to find that out, Rafe. Wow. Oh, my God. We're going to hell. Yes. In a, yes, 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 we are. Yes. You got to have they got to have the balls to say what needs to be said on the show. We Rafe. put our balls on the line. <laughs> Mr. Nuts. Yes, exactly. Exactly. All right, Rafe, we're going to start this show. We're going to do so. So, so we're going to do so, though. <laughs> <laughs> right after a word from our friends and sponsors. Yeah, all right. Dig it. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. And we're back. BC, Rafe Boogs, big show ahead. Big weekend to preview with Charison Charlo 2, Harrison Charlo 2. Lot to look back at with Bud, Teo, and more. Reminder, check out our bonus interview special from Monday. Tony Harrison, Jermel Charlo on this show. And Rafe, finally, your wishes, your dreams have come through as of last night. As of Monday evening of Fight Week, the fine folks at PBC on Fox have uploaded the full PBC face-to-face episode, Charlo Harrison 2, onto the YouTubes, brother. You can finally visit my collaboration, Rave. It will be in my favorites folder, Brian, and it will stay there forever. I'm never removing it. I will. It will be a fond way to remember a great program. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I hope it's not the last one. Damn, I hope it's not the last one. But, you know, they'll can't. The TV execs will just straight up cancel things, Rafe. They'll do stuff like that. All right. Such is their whim. That is their job. You know, they got to they got to they got to make sure make sure the money is right. All right. All right. Well, look, it's a cheap show to make. OK, I don't I don't demand that. much. OK, <laughs> it's a great show. Great piece of content. Great piece of business, though. A lot of people in the YouTube comments calling me white guy, calling me honky. But, you know, it's fine. It's fine. That's that that is your job, man. You got to stay there and be the honky, be yes. the white guy, own it. That's so, that's, that's that's an important role in in sports history. We have a host, some white guy. Yes, all right. Uh, big week for my people, though the Lithuanians He's in weight category two seven four. Oh yeah, it is. Well, weight category two two nine at the moment. Good God! Wow. Okay, Rafe. Yes, yes. He has a stick on him. He still does, but there's a lot of. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, we'll just we'll let it go right there, right, right? They're both great guys and hard men. Indeed, indeed. Rafe, what a weekend for my people, the Lithuanians, Rafe, because Terrence Bud Crawford, arguably the pound-for-pound best in the world, got himself into a self-inflicted brawl, it seemed, against the damn mean machine, triple header, post-Heisman, ESPN, MSG, you know all the details. And Terrence Crawford stops Igis Kavliauskis in a fight that was way more action-packed, entertaining, and competitive than it probably should have been. We can examine all those reasons why, but I just want to pour one out for the damn mean machine because I was basically like, snooze fest, this is Teo's night. No, 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 no. Who cares about this? And whether it was Bud kind of coming in there like, I want to make a statement and almost fell into a Provodnikov-Bradley trap, or, or, or maybe 
Igis just had himself a night. Um, this wasn't the same guy that drew with the other Ray Robinson. This was a fun piece of entertainment, and it also produced uh, it produced Dwyer. Talking about it, Rafe. You ready for this? I am well, Crawford so fought a guy who now is one of my heroes. My too. This yes. fight was a great fight. Right. This is that rare opponent, Cavalikas. Oh God! Come who on. showed up in the ring? <laughs> Come on, man. And decided, hey, I'm not going to make this a jab fest. No, he didn't. Cav- well, Brian, I want to. I want to ask you to rate Cavalikas as a Dwyer mispronunciation. Is it's, that that's actually pretty good? I think. Yeah, it's ambitious. <laughs> it's actually pretty damn ambitious. Alexander Grossdick. I mean, we've seen him just straight up. I mean, I wish I had that pro-grade one on here still, but I don't. Sergei Kovalev. But, I mean, he's just, I mean, he's been absolutely all over the place on so many names that that's actually kind of not that bad. Sergei or Sergei Kovalev. <laughs> I mean, you know, how many more of these do I have to play before you understand where I'm going here, Rafe, right? Okay. You have DeAndre Tay Wilder. <laughs> Uh, that was actually a pretty good attempt. I'm glad that Richie gets it. Rafe, your thoughts. Lots to really dig in here on Terrence Bud Crawford maybe getting dropped in round two. No call from referee. Uh, uh, it was actually round three, right? I thought it was round two forever, but then everything I read said round three. Either way, at four rounds in, not only was the fight even on the scorecards, even though they robbed Mean Machine of a knockdown, uh... Bud was just standing in that pocket and allowing this to be kind of a badass fight. Let's get into the whys. Why, Rafe? Why? Yeah, I, I got to say, it really, I, I loved watching this fight. I have Dwyer levels of enthusiasm for this and my hero, Egidigis Cavalikis. It was, <laughs> it was just fun, man. And maybe it benefited from lowered expectations, everyone to some degree, whether it was an outrageous degree, people saying that Kavalyowskis is terrible and nobody, which is not true, to people saying, well, he's he's a decent contender, but doesn't not even close to who we want to see in this fight. Didn't matter. The fight on in in the ring played out so much fun and it was we because of the way that Crawford fought that fight, I really do believe that if Crawford had chosen to fought fight you know, move around the ring, use that back foot game. We saw, remember the Postol fight? It was dull, man. He, he basically disciplined Postol early and, and made it clear that, look, if you try and get in, effing get inside on me, I will knock you out. And then Postol followed him around the ring and got jabbed to death for 12 Rafe, rounds. I always was, go, you remember his first HBO fight against Brightest Prescott when he moved up in weight? I always go nothing. back to that one because if Bud wants to against anybody, I feel like he could, Stink out the fight from distance. Remember he did it against Rustam, someone uh, as well, the fight after that? Yeah, Chagaya. Uh, that's a guy. That's, that's, that's a big man. Um, Rustam but, uh, Kabila or something bit, like that. Rustam he, even, even when he fought uh, Sanabria, it was – he got a stoppage, but it was after a lot of pretty dull action. And and that's been an amazing thing to watch with, with Bud Crawford's career because I remember that first impression, which was this guy's obviously really, really good. This is these are pretty dull fights and then turn himself. He stopped his last seven opponents and the stoppages get more and more spectacular. I mean, that was what was wonderful about the Kavlyowskis fight was, yes, do I think it was perhaps a little bit 
reckless that or more risky than it needed to yes. be for for Crawford to fight that way and just stand in the pocket and be like, yeah, I'll eat a few shots because I want to knock this guy out in spectacular fashion. But you know what it also was? Effing spectacular. Yeah. The rain, the, the 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 versatility of his offense, the 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 ability to be hurt a little bit and and bounce recover immediately against a guy who was known as a pretty good puncher, right? The book on Kavlyowskis was well, he'll just outbox and it'll be easy as pie. But not this was not how people expected this fight to to be easy for Bud Crawford. And yeah, it was probably a little harder than it had to be, but he still made it look pretty damn easy and gave people a great show. Do you I haven't heard a lot of this yet, Brian, but do you think that Crawford could have been doing the old triple G sandbag. Act. I'm going to give you my take. That's an interesting okay. attempt. Uh, that's an interesting offer by you right there to say, is that Crawford trying to make himself look more hittable than he is so that people will want to fight him? I actually say no. A couple things. One, it was Andrew Klimov. I looked up Bud's box rack while I was talking about that early fight in his career in HBO. Two, in real time, at Logan Dobson just tweeted us with the Dwyer. Kavikis uh, pronunciation. So shout out to Logan Dobson for having our back, but we're in the middle of it right now. And look, Bud allowed this to happen. But the whys, I think, are different. Okay, so let's look at it from a bigger picture. You know Bud jacked from the interview this week that I was supposed to have last week with him, that interview special. You know that, right? Right, Rafe? That's that disappointing, Brian, that, that anyone, I mean, look. I mean, look, the corner you- man is top shelf. He couldn't reel him in, though. But he, but at least he didn't swallow. Crawford has the cojones on him. He does. Okay, so I don't. I'm not going to even respond to that comment. Um. So, I think that Bud is getting really annoyed. He's at this breaking point, okay, where he's more outspoken than he's ever been, but he's hearing more criticism than he ever has about not fighting PBC guys and about the cupboard being bare. And he's taking it personal, which to a degree I fully understand. So in his mind, he's starting to go like, what the F, man? I'm supposed to be the pound for pound king, not Loma or not anybody else. I Can't you see how great I am? Why are people saying I'm not going after these guys? I want to fight all these guys. So I think two things happen. I think some of this was also people going, the real main event on Saturday is Teofimo against Kome, not Bud versus this whoever guy, some some Latvian guy, some Estonian guy. guy. Yeah, and I think he came in there with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder saying, almost like Bradley against Provodnikov, like, F it, I'm going to knock this guy out to remind you that they do have to come to me, which, by the way, Bud, they don't, and we'll get into that in a minute. But I think it's Bud's way of saying, F you, I'm a brand, I'm the best fighter in the world, so what, I got to fight this mandatory guy? I'm going to blow him the hell away. And then he got into a little bit of trouble. Then he got rocked by a right hand. Then he got knocked down and they didn't call it. And then Bud Gangster came out. And I thought this was where the ESPN announcing crew actually nailed it. Just a full-on stubbornness where I'm going to stay in Southpaw and I'm not moving until I knock this guy out. So in the end, we all win because of that. Bud may have accidentally accomplished what you suggested that maybe he's trying to show that he's a little more vulnerable than he actually is when in reality he could have won. I think Bud wanted to entertain and he wanted to reset the narrative. The problem here, Rafe, is the overall problem. And I kind of talked about this on the on the intro I did in the bonus episode that Bud jacked from. I don't necessarily love 
the direction Bud is taking on the microphone, which is, I can retire tomorrow. I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm not, my career isn't beholden to fighting these PBC guys. They got to come to me. I don't have to come to them. That's false, Rafe, in 2019. I'm sorry. It is. I hate that the boxing business and the politics dictates this stuff, but you have no leverage if you're Bob and Bud right now in terms of getting those PBC guys. None, Rafe. So to stand here and say, everybody knows I already want to fight them. It's on them. No, it's actually on you. Bud fumbled the ball in this post-fight interview, Rafe, okay? He had the opportunity to do what he should be doing all the time, which is grabbing that mic and going, you know what? Hey, Spence, you're afraid of me. Hey, Danny Garcia. Hey, Porter. Hey, Pacquiao, who you could have fought me when we were in the same team. You're all afraid of me. I'm the best in the world. Let's do this. He didn't do that. Instead, he was just like, hey, Bernardo Asuna, everybody knows who I want to fight. Everybody knows I want to fight them already. That's not good enough, bud. Number two, Rafe, same thing I said last week. If he is not doing what he should be, which is kicking Bob's door in and saying, Bob, I don't give a damn about the politics. Make these freaking fights. Then he's doing himself a disservice. Rafe, he's 32. Does he want to fight these fights against Spence and those guys when he's 36? And Thurman and all those guys. If he does and he's fine with that, then that's what's going to happen. If not, you got to be the one putting your foot on the gas pedal to make these things happen because you don't have the leverage. It's just what it is. He's on a damn island. So when Tim Bradley, who I don't know where he gets off suddenly being the voice of ESPN and top rank right now, when he gets on the microphone and says, hey, all you PPC guys, you're all scared. Deontay Wilder's the only one with balls. You guys need to come here. He's the best in the world. Bro, that's not how business works. It's straight up just not how it works. All right. The only way Bud's going to get Spence and those guys is if you get on a level where it's Mayweather Pacquiao. And we need it. And even then, you're probably still talking two years. But you know how you get it on that level? You don't stop talking about it. Every interview, you say Spence is scared of me. And then us as reporters and the fans, they start banging the drums and suddenly it becomes a thing. There's one other way you make the fights happen. You break the business mold and you say, Bob. I want to fight on their network. I don't care if I get paid less. We've got to go and make this happen and prove it. Maybe maybe it's just not there in the motivation for Bud because he's getting $4 million per fight against anybody on ESPN. But, Rafe, here's the deal. We did not ask Bud to re-sign with Top Rank. He made that choice. So because of that, he has to deal with the business realities. So they don't have to come to him at all, nor necessarily should they. What are you feeling about the things I'm screaming at you right now? Uh, there's a lot to respond to there, Brian. First of all, uh, I I got to say I really – my I already had a – I didn't know I could have more respect for Andre Ward than I, than I did, but I do now because the way he held in – he held his poker face, didn't laugh at all while Tim Bradley was wilding out in that promo – and and stepped into it so hard, like looked down and then did the theatrical look up and and grill the camera and push his hands out there and be like all of you at PBC. It was uh and, and Ward was just there like he held it together. I I love I I really really got to give it up to Ward. Just an- there's so many levels to that man and what he can do. Uh, it was incredible. Tim Bradley. So that's kind of the, that's one thing I was going to ask you. In a little bit of a devil's advocate kind of way, 
we're saying, oh, you got bud, you got to call them out all the time, nonstop, make it a thing. Isn't that what Tim Bradley just tried to do? And everyone is like, man, you embarrassed yourself. Well, no, no, Bradley went over the line. Rafe, Bradley went over the line by saying, you're scared, you need to come to us. And that's just not how it works, Rafe. Plus, it's not his fight. He's too close to the product. Did you read that origin story ESPN had this past week about like they asked a bunch of experts when they first realized how great Crawford was. It's actually a pretty right, decent story. They used story. to spar together. I mean, the bar, the Bradley sparring story ahead of that that Silverdome fight against uh, against Devin is very interesting. But here's the deal: it feeds into the problem that we Brad have. Was like that's when I realized I got to headbutt him to win this fight. Well, that's and it feeds into the problem we have with the ESPN announced team that they're, they're doing the full on sell ad nauseum worse than dying hbo did in the last year and this is not bradley's fight he's not the promoter he's supposed to just be the broadcaster but he's become this like like this spokesperson for bud's career where he's like did you hear them on, look, on the mac look, show man, if where, bob no, hold on, did you, you hear him on the mac manny, show if bob let you beat manny then you probably would owe him too did you let hear him on the mac show saying that prime bud beats prime floyd like no question about it rafe um do i have to bring in dwyer to settle this there is a fighter who could beat floyd mayweather it's younger floyd mayweather thank you Uh, and it's look it's not that that's the worst argument ever because here's the deal here's the bottom line of any any criticism i have bud's amazing he might be sugar ray leonard 2.0 like i'm not kidding and he's a little bit different though but he's amazing he may be the face of this era the point is rafe he's 32 i want to find that out and when he's like you know what if they don't come to me that's fine i'll retire or a day later when he told somebody maybe i'll go to 160 like stop it dude stay at 47 Prove to us in this renaissance welterweight era that you are the king of 47 and call up grandpa and say, make the damn fights already. Okay, I I, am with you. And I think that you're right that there is a way for Terrence Crawford to call out fighters like Errol Spence, assuming he gets better. uh, Sean Porter, Danny Garcia, whoever else, Manny. But we know Manny's not taking that fight because he didn't when there was a chance and he's not going to now and he shouldn't have to. He's he is a legend in the sport and he can sort of cruise the, the 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 leftovers of his career however he chooses it's just strange that he's still this damn good but anyway forget manny there is a way for crawford to call out all those welterweights on the pbc side in a way that doesn't make him uh look bad in the way that tim bradley didn't look great uh, on saturday night right you can do that without embarrassing yourself uh and i and i would i would expect crawford to be able to figure that out if he wants the one thing i don't I don't mind a, a fighter. I don't want to hear these guys lie. If they know that they're not going to fight each other, I don't want to hear them calling each other out for no reason and pumping up their social media. Like, like that's a game I don't really need to play and have them going back and forth with that. I guess but doesn't that lead so, to fights though, Rafe? When they do it that, it can. Yes, it can. But it's it's so the the amount of BS that it, that comes before it can almost it doesn't actually spoil the fight, but it. It's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. Um, but I think it, to get the fight is better. Here's one of the things I, here's one of the things right now that I'm thinking about, Brian. There's really, until, there's, there really is only one fighter at PBC who I think there is a true mandate for Errol, for, there I just said his name, for Terrence Crawford to fight. That's Errol Spence. 
Sean Porter fight, that's better than a lot of the options at top rank. But Sean Porter, the only reason people like that fight today is because Porter fought his cojones off against Errol Spence in a loss. And that is great. Sean, we know who Sean Porter is. He's very good. But that isn't that, that is it better than Kavlialskis? Probably. I think so. Is it better than a lot other? Is it better than Besputin and Bob's Russians? Probably. <laughs> I think so. But is it is it a legacy making fight for Terrence Crawford? Probably not. It's another. It's a really good defense. The guy that there is one fight that matters, and we can't really talk about that seriously right now because, unfortunately, the accident that Errol Spence was in in October and hasn't come back from yet. And I know that he was on Snapchat uh, criticizing Timothy Bradley over the weekend. Um, so I guess that's sort of like coming out. But whatever's Errol going Spence on. By just murder. Kinda, Errol Spence by murder, not against Terrence Crawford. Um, not against, against, not against that car either, Rafe. Okay? Okay? <laughs> True that. Um, and that's the sort of the tone. That some, part, there's a tone in this t- Bud needs to do this. Bud needs to do that. That I think is that I disagree with, which is that like it sounds as if Bud, I mean, people, the next, the next take in this, in this progression is people saying, well, Terrence, how come you weren't in Texas that night to, 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 to put Errol in his seatbelt or drive him home? Like, make sure he's, he's safe for the fight that you need to fight him for. Like, how far are we going to take this? Um, he, and yes, it is, Terrence Crawford can do a lot and should do more to, to put pressure on his promoters and on and public pressure on the potential opponents on Spence and if you want to see him against those other PVC guys really badly them too he should put more pressure on all those parties to to move towards that fight happening but those other guys there's it's it's there's an onus on them to want that fight and to not and I am not happy that they that they are so comfortable freezing out the fighter that they should also want to beat so they well, can call themselves the B-E-S-T. Rafe, why is I, that not a problem? I know it's business, but why should, on a competitive level, why should I not have a problem with that? I think it comes down to, let, like, I don't want business to be the key, right? I want Spence, I'm sorry, I want Bud tomorrow to fight Danny Garcia or fight, you know what I mean, like Thurman, fight any of the welterweights. The problem is PBC has invested so heavily, and this is where we're at in, in boxing. Everything is is segregated. I know you hate that word, but everything's segregated by your own network and island. The only ways you cross over that and connect is when the money is giant. So anyone that says, well, why should Bud do that? It's not in his well, character. Look- Hold on. Because you want to build yourself to a – right now, Bud's a boutique welterweight. That's the reality in the business. It, you're not going to win a lot. You'll win critical, but you're not going to win as much money as you would just staying in PBC and fighting the other big name welterweights. He almost has to do this to bang the drum for himself because to defend the PBC guys is almost against what I believe in here because I believe in just F the business. Everybody should fight each other. But because we're in this business reality, it's so disingenuous for Bradley. What You know what Bradley's saying? You guys need to come to us and fight on ESPN. That's clearly wrong. They yeah. don't. No. You want to do a two-network deal just to find out who's the best and you think you can make enough money to do it? Then do it. If not, Rafe, I'm sorry. Bud actually has to go to them if if he wants to, to make this happen. We didn't tell him to sign with ESPN knowing there's no welterweights there, right? We didn't tell him to do that. So because he did that, the onus falls on him. That's where I'm going. I'm not saying this from a guy who cash checks from the PBC. I'm just saying this from a guy that's like, this is where we're at in 2019. 
make the damn fights or don't talk about them. I I miss I gotta say I I miss where we were at in 2013 when athletes just slept with a lot of women. Now now we're talking about business, man. Um, Brian, I so what you were saying gave me a a little bit of an out of the box idea here because you're saying to make this cross promotion fight the money has to be there. They have to be super duper stars. And I have news for you, Brian. These fighters are never going to be super duper stars in a Maypack kind of way, right? It's impossible. They're in their 30s. They're great right now. They may be as good as Manny and Floyd were at their primes. We'll never know. They're not that far off from it. And those are some great ass fighters, right? They are historical, historical, wire historical greats. Uh, and these guys aren't far from it. We want to see them fight each other so we can start to place them in a proper historical context. But the money that brought Maypack together will never be there for a fight like Spence Crawford. Do you disagree with that? No, I think you're right because so th- not, not no, none wait, of these wait, guys no, have no. the none of these guys have the following publicly. Like Manny earned his following by fighting everyone and climbing the ladder. Floyd earned it with a combination of being great and being next level charismatic. These guys don't have all that. Plus, the only way to organically win that they, bo- they would all have to beat oscar to get that following or, or beat each other uh in in big showcases on regular tv to just become stars right yeah so so if there's no money for it in or there's not enough money for it in the traditional way of raising money for a fight maybe we just saw this happen brian and maybe maybe this is what brings <laughs> maybe this is what exposes all us us boxing fans who have tried to sometimes have any kind of conscience for for who we really are deep down, which is just degenerates who want to see great fights. Maybe Bob Arum and Al Heyman get on a plane together and talk to the prince. Go meet with some Saudis, meet with some money out in the Emirates, meet with whatever rich ass dictator you can find who's willing to drop a hundred mil bag on it. To make a big fight and do it. Is, the, is, that, how, is that how to Mr. Cancer, but he'll never talk to you, right? Uh, well, I wanted to bring that up to you. So you bring up a good, interesting point. You're just like, hey, let's make the Saudi money be the Les Moonves in the, or the waiter. And the, you know what I mean? Like that, that made Maypack happen. I don't know if you saw the comments Bud gave to, I mean, that Bob, Bob Arum gave to somebody in the last 24 hours. I think I read it on Boxing Scene. I'm not sure. His comment was, you're going to see a lot more PBC top rank collaborations in 2020, and it's because of Fury Wilder. Did you see this, Rafe? Bob yes. said that he's talking to Al every single day because of Fury Wilder too, and that it's opening the doors and that the relationships and the business has changed and they're willing to get along. I want to believe that this is straight up, but I can't right now until I see the proof because Bob just what six months ago was like Sean Porter sucks. He's nobody. He's not on on Terrence Crawford's level, and now he's like Sean Porter's great. He should be fighting. You mean, you mean Manny Pacquiao's sparring partner, exactly. Sean Porter, so, the guy that Manny used to beat up in the wild card. I want to say I do have a small level of optimism because look, Fury Wilder too. The collaboration is real, so I want to believe that Bob and Al can get together and say, "Look, here's the deal, Bob." Okay. I'm just going to create a scenario for you. We're going to send Terrence Bud Crawford to you guys 
to fight Danny Garcia. And if Terrence wins, then he's going to fight Keith Thurman on our side. Whatever. Something like that, okay? If that's real, Rafe, that's how you solve this without everybody becoming Maypac-level stars and all this and without whatever. But that's got to be a real thing. Fury Wilder makes sense because they already fought a year ago. And two networks that want to say FU DAZN can get together and do a joint pay-per-view. I really hope what Aram is saying is real. It's possible. It makes sense. It follows that if things go well. The problem is, Brian, what what makes anyone think that Wilder I, I know that Bob thinks it will sell two million pay-per-views, but that the fight that's supposed to start this great new era of cooperation off kind of is lining up to it could be a great fight. But it 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 may not be the great success that they're all hoping for, and if it is not, then because they have not even formally announced this, there hasn't been a press conference, right? It is now two months and five days away from February twenty second, the the date that it's supposed to go down. Um, if they can't build it into a big enough fight to make all the business people happy with the amount of money that they made off that fight, what's to stop everyone from just going home and playing in their own sandboxes again? I mean, that that's what boxing does. That's what boxing is. That's probably where we are heading. But I do want to retain a level of optimism. And I mean what I say about that stuff about Tim Bradley. I mean, it's just ridiculous, Rafe. That should be Bud, not Tim. And can I say this about the ESPN broadcast? Because they do deserve our criticism. So the first two rounds of that fight, I mean, Tess is just off the wall. Like, like rubbing Bud left and right. Like, again... These guys are so damn great that you don't need to tell us more than once. Let us see it. I do give the ESPN broadcast credit. The second Mean Machine worked his way back into that fight, they were all over it. They were criticizing whether Bud's doing a disservice to himself staying southpaw. They were on that. That was good. But then to bounce back to the level of uh, of what Bradley said about PBC, like, come on, guys. I mean, look, PBC's not, it's not that they're not to blame. That whole Fox thing about not recognizing WBO title holders is just an absolute joke, Rafe. So also you gotta, I gotta think that one thing I will say here is that, um, some, they're, they're, you know, they're really, really professional expert producers on these shows. You've worked with them. I haven't, but I, I've met some of them and I know, I know the quality of their work, right? Bradley's spiel seemed very rehearsed seemed like he like everyone knew it was going to happen couldn't someone have have talked him down off that ledge a little bit my friend (laughs) (laughs) cut ties with all the lies that he's been living in right exactly i mean after he listens to this if he does not want to be uh friends you know i would understand you know Seriously though, Brian, should don't don't you think that there's because Bradley? I, 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 I like it, how he calls fights a, a lot of the time, um, and I like his personality. I, I liked him as a fighter. Don't you think that someone who is a full time broadcast professional been done been doing that their whole life should step in and be like, yo, See, this isn't going to come because off because well. networks are so tied in this new era to promotions. Like, look, that, that, those days of HBO being this central governing journalistic entity where all the promoters come to them. If you want to have big fights, it's got to be on HBO. That's what would allow Larry Merchants of the world to rise up. And it turned out that in this fight, at least, we brought you 
junk. Unfortunately, now that's impossible because everybody. Maybe so- it's because Larry Merchant killed HBO Boxing by alienating the greatest fighter of the generation, Floyd Money that's, Mayweather, that is, that's never giving him a fair shake, and then saying he would beat him down if he was fifty years younger. Wow, wow. I mean, you're not wrong. I wish I was fifty years younger and I'd kick your ass. Um, Rafe, I'm going to say something a little controversial here. It's a little off topic, but it's on it. Tim Bradley, the direction he's going right now as a commentator. I know this sounds terrible. I think he should finish. Ever said, I thought he was good when he first started because he gave a fresh perspective on breaking down fights and fighters, having been a great Hall of Fame caliber fighter and having just ended his career where he still had something left in the tank. And he's well-spoken. He's funny. Since they got rid of Teddy, though, I feel like he's trying to become Teddy Bradley Jr., and it and it it doesn't work for me. Like, remember that time he threw all the bills on the on the set? He threw all the dollars in the air, and like, those were hundreds, Brian. Like, it's just not working. It it doesn't seem real to me. It does, like like, I and I'm not. Here's the deal. I love overly re- absurdly charismatic people. The Dick Vitale's, the Teddy Atlas, Timothy Bradley Jr. Yeah, and and I'm not saying like everybody has to be this quiet. Like Andre Ward, he speaks so well. He speaks so well. Whoa, like, whoa, whoa, whoa! We're going to Chris Rock racist that, and stuff. Well, it was. Uh, I did reference Chris Rock there, but like that's not the direction I'm going. I, I'm fine with Tim Bradley being fun, but the stand, the the hills he's dying on. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I just don't agree with the takes. I don't know. I think you have a point there. He, I mean, he has been upping the shtick, and it hasn't always worked out. And I think we just need to put it on the record that Brian Campbell wants the ESPN broadcast to feature more father-son stories. Yes. Yes. Hey, I was that a good idea. If your book, uh, Two and Two, McSorley's My Father and Me, becomes like a, a movie, a sitcom, or a, a drama, something, what about Kriegel playing your father? Because he can act. Look at him. He's like, you know, he's, he's he's Hollywood. He's got Hollywood written all over him. He lives in Santa Monica. He hangs out with Peter Berg and Mark Wahlberg. They train together. How about him um, playing Big G? That would be the irony of all well, ironies, right? Well, he does understand the, the psyche of a father and son better than almost anyone on the planet. I think one of the pro- – it depends on how much you want this to resemble – the real the real thing because you just said big g big g is pretty big he's six foot three i'm six foot three i don't i ain't gonna have no five foot six father i was thinking who would play you would be former nba player robert swift (laughs) i i a man who like tyson fury has come back from the depths the deepest darkest depths yeah remember he ruined that house and like squatted in it yeah all right um look that up look up that collaboration rafe that's it on bud you got any more bud comments oh let me ask you this okay um i think the bud comment going to 160 is just absurd and if we are not going to do these Heyman al collaborations next and if pro gray josh taylor jose ramirez are not moving up in the next six to nine months Give me somebody that Bud could fight next where you'd be like, okay, that's cool. Well, that's very hard to do, Brian. Uh, I Mikey want, Garcia's I, off the board, Rafe. He's off the board, all right? Who is? Who is? Mikey Garcia. Of course he's off the board. He was never going to make that fight with, with, with them. 
Um, and don't say Diego Chavez. Don't say that. Oh, but you remember? Do you remember? He pushed Keith Thurman. Hey, he's he back this him. weekend. He's back this weekend, by the way. Little little do you care uh, teaser. Oh, okay? we're, we're going to do a lot of caring this, this week. Don't worry. Um, yeah, that, that, that's tough to answer. I was going to bring up uh, the issue, the, the what Dan Rayfield reported, I believe, yesterday about the possibility of going to 154 to face new whatever champion, uh, Jaime Munguia's old belt, uh, Patrick. Patrick Teixeira, which just is weird. Doesn't Teixeira is not a great win. I mean, it would be, you, motor can sell, fun. you can sell the competition level of him moving up, kind of like, you know, Canelo of recent fights, right. you know what I mean? But yeah, it's not sexy, Rafe. It's, it is not sexy. He Look, I don't think, unless a PBC fight comes together, there isn't going to be a sexy answer. I think that I, I'm going to try and stay level-headed and hope that as long as there is a quality answer, as long as the fight is justifiable, even if it's not the best fight, I'm not going to start reading the Riot Act. But it's it, – it, because it's – I don't know who – there's it's just the sport. It is the sport's fault, and it happens a lot. It's not the first time it happens, and it sucks now like it always has sucked. Um, I One thing I was thinking this weekend, and I don't know if I like it, but I started to suspect that by the end of the middle, maybe of next year, people are going to, because people are so desperate to see Terrence Crawford against a, a really, really strong opponent at welterweight or welterweight, they're going to say, hey, Virgil Ortiz, he looks like the goods. Why doesn't he step up? And the he, I bud? think he is the goods, but it's too fast. It, it's wrong. I don't, I don't want to see every great young fighter thrown into, a crazy whatever Rafe, thrown the into the hardest match. fight. What? The the female what? and male parts don't match, Rafe. What? Because he's Golden Boy. How many times? Golden Boy does all. Golden Boy does is send people over to top rank to lose yeah, the championship. Yeah, but not. They're not sending Virgil Ortiz over. Come on, that's like a pillar that they have. Like what a, if he could win, Brian? What? I could be mayor. <laughs> you smoke crack and got your job back. Right? <laughs> All right. Uh, Rafe, Look, we have... I'm, I'm not saying it's a good idea or that they should do it or that Golden Boy will float the idea. Although I did hear Eric Gomez on a podcast yesterday saying that Virgil would like to fight Errol Spence sometime. Um, but I think that noise will start to bubble up around that because Ortiz will keep fighting. He will keep looking like a million bucks in the ring. He looked great. So and, why don't we just stay right here? Virgil Ortiz Jr. Yeah. blew away Brad Solomon on the Friday night Golden Boy card. Rafe, he's so fun to watch. I mean, yes. a two-fisted puncher who walks you down and so aggressively breaks you down. It's not reckless. Stop but it, reading from the Oscar De La Hoya lawsuit, man. It's messing me up. So he he takes his fist, Rafe. All right? And he... Uh, um. He attacks in like almost in like a young triple G way where it's never reckless. It's just like systematic. I will break you down. I love his demeanor. There's something about him when you watch him fight. It's just like, you know, you're watching the beginning of something special, right? 100%. And a lot of the, the, the consensus view going into that fight with Brad Solomon on Friday was that Ortiz might go the distance with this guy, that this is a, you know, Solomon is slick. He's been around. He's experienced. He uh, he he he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna make him work. All this stuff, and he did try to do all those things. He fought defensively. He was able to land some decent shots in between. It didn't matter, Brian. Ortiz just beat you know got broke him down and got him out of there early. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if... Uh, wow, imagine Mikey Garcia versus... They they both they're both trained by Robert. That that ain't. Oh that ain't. my God! You're right. That could never happen. Oh. hey, one more point on Bud. Did you see him do the rock away this weekend? When Crawford leans back, Crawford has a lean back game. Well, that was the, the, short the best lean back game since Fat Joe. Yes, yes, indeed. Wow, Dwyer all over this soundboard. Today. Dwyer says he's. Do you know what Hill Dwyer's still willing to die on? Rafe. Speaking of, <laughs> now I still personally feel, and I know he's in his forties. I personally feel Manny Pacquiao beats Crawford. Oh, God. God he turned... Simply because Pacquiao's a southpaw. He turned 41 yesterday. Happy birthday, Senador. But, uh, wow, Rafe, right? Yeah. He's he's sudden, Brian. He can be sudden. Oh, God. I mean, it is all about the sauce. Right? Go to my favorites folder right now. A guy named The Sauce has commentary <laughs> on it. I believe the commentary is correct. The sauce. How did he pronounce that? The journalist. Would you think he was saying source or sauce? Let's hear it one more time. Right. Go to my favorites folder right now. A guy named the sauce. He put some extra. Rich put some extra. He put some extra mustard on that sauce. Yeah. Man, we need him. We need Rich right now. I need him. Okay. I need him. Yes, contact me, Rich. You know, contact me. Yes, please. Make Maybe he needs to come to me. Maybe I'll Tim Bradley his ass and say, sucker, come to me, right? <laughs> all you all you gamblers anonymous. <laughs> no, no, not gamblers anonymous. Gamblers advisory. All right, we got to roll on here, Rafer. We'll be a two-hour show. Um, Let me tell you a little bit about a guy who became a star on Saturday. He has huevos. Teofimo Lady Lopez Gaga. Jr., is the lead story of this week. I know we just opened up for an hour on Bud, but he jumped off the page through the screen. We legitimately did not know if he was going to get solved by Richard Comey, 22 years old, coming off really the worst performance of Teo's career in which he had a lot of problems outside the ring, was not himself. Rafe, he put the train back on the I might be the next Roy Jones tracks by blowing Richard Comey away. How friggin' impressive was this it i am gonna not overreact to this brian oh, it was the, really good get out get out rafe it happened so fast bro look what, what it what it showed us is what we already knew is that he has really really excellent explosive sudden power that he if he if he catches you he, he can knock you out anybody anybody but richard has a chin rafe um, yeah, he does have a good chin, but the other thing, I, I didn't think it was some amazing out of this world chin. And I know that when we previewed this fight, I was, I kind of said, well, you know, let's just be, let's just be the, take the experience here. We know what we're, we have one thing, which is a very good established fighter. And we have another guy who we aren't totally sure about. Let's go with the, let's go with the guy we know. Later in the week, Brian, because I had to write about the fight, I, I started, I rewatched a lot of Richard Kami, and, and it became clear, oh wait, no, 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 no. He's going to be there. He's not, he, he likes to fight on the front foot. He doesn't really, he has a tight defense, but not a slick defense. He doesn't slip a lot of punches. He doesn't make guys miss. He's big and strong and sturdy, but he's going to be there for Lopez to hit. And that's exactly what happened. It was a one shot and, basically over after that right he flopped around the ring a little bit they let it go on a little longer we're done great finish great performance teofimo lopez jr is a champion now i still don't know 
if he can outbox someone who can outbox him or or compete in the same way. That's what that's the great thing, Brian. We are going to learn a little something about that when he fights Vasily Lomachenko, the test maker oh my God. for all the marbles. Oh my Undisputed. God, 130, 135 weight category. Oh my God, am I excited about this? Can I play weird sound drops to get you excited about it, Rafe? Holy crap. <laughs> Rafe, the feels that I got when this became real, when this tease, when this constant C tease became real, when Loma stepped through the ring ropes and almost begrudgingly took part in that photo op and then they talked to him afterwards. How impressed were you by Teofimo? And Loma was like, eh, it was a short fight. It was uh, some Honduras guy. <laughs> it was a short fight. Uh, Rafe, in the fact that they're like, yep, we're doing it. We're doing it in April. And it's for all the damn belts. Now, pause that. Everyone hit me up on Twitter. BC, didn't you know it's not actually for all the four belts? Because he's the WBC franchise champion. And it's why would anybody why would anybody do that, Brian? That pisses me off because like 10 people did that. I hate that. Lomachenko won the belt. Yes, he gave it up in the stupid franchise thing. But that doesn't like Lomachenko is the guy who has all the I won three belts right now. And look at me, Brian. I have three belts. Yeah. Also about Lomachenko. Lomachenko is the test man. Okay, Rafe, this is the ultimate test. He is the WBC champion. Stop that crap, okay? And you talk about Brian, a guy who is in some way, he's, he, maybe he doesn't give the young the young bucks enough credit. Maybe he's dismissing them a little bit up on his high ivory Ukrainian tower in Ackerman. But he is saying their names, right, Brian? He says, yes, I will fight uh, Lopez, and then he will fight... Gervonta Davis, he oh would. I mean, he's God. the what names are in his mouth. You want to talk about an interview designed to give me fields? He just said for 2020, this is the test maker. Okay, Lomachenko, the quarterback. He's he's Tom Brady. He just said, I I want to have a fight with Teofimo Lopez Jr. for all four belts in a fight that. I don't want to put ideas in Bob's head, but I would personally pay seventy five dollars for just to see it. And then I want to make a cross sport fight with Gervonta. Like, oh, a cross sport? Oh. What are they going to be competing in? Uh, yeah, sorry. Well, first they'll fight in MMA, and then, yeah, then they'll come back and they'll do one in, um, in, in box, and then maybe they'll arm wrestle, and yeah, okay, great. That was weird. You say something else, I'll whoop your ass in the octagon, bitch. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Rafe, do you know I have a whole subchapter of sound drops that I never use on this weird board that sound like this? And this? And this? Is that money? No, that's a bat flapping his wings. Is there a place for this in the show? I hope not. Okay. Okay, enough of that. Um... Rafe, this is like this is the best news boxing has heard in a long time that a fight like this can be made. I am so friggin' exciting because you're kind of right on one level of you're saying, let me not proclaim Teofimo as like, you know, Roy Jones right now because he landed one big punch and Kome didn't recover. So we still don't really know how great he is, which is part of the fuel, though, why this fight is so great, because I saw something in Lomachenko's poker face. That showed me 
No, he's not scared of him. Lomachenko's the pound for pound damn king, more or less. But he knows that Teofimo can do the outside the box stuff that the other guys can't that is going to force him to be at his very best in training camp. I mean, he already is anyway, but that would just force him to know that he can't completely F around and be the matrix because he may get caught with one of those leaping left hooks out of nowhere. 100%, Brian. I, even though I, I think that this did not tell us everything we want to know as fans about Teofimo Lopez Jr., like how good is he, is he at, could he actually be great? All that, some of that is still up in the air. It does confirm the big, the big most important thing right now, which is that his power is legit. It will knock out anyone in the division. Vasily Lomachenko is a small, small, very small lightweight at, for a weight category 135. And, and he, ha- Lopez can land it in unconventional ways or in between shots. He can, he can show Lomachenko something that Lomachenko has never seen before. He can come up, he can do something creative, something explosive, something athletic. That doesn't that 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 the matrix hasn't downloaded yet. And obviously, on the other hand, Lopez would in in just straight boxing, footwork, things like that. Lopez is going to be out of his depth on some level because everyone against Lomachenko is out of their depth on some. Even even the beautiful beautiful handsome guy, Jorge Linares, was out of his depth on some level. Yeah, yeah, you're damn right. He was. Um, the fact that you nailed part of the. Probably my favorite part about this fight is that Loma is over his head at 35 and that Teo is probably going to star at welterweight in his long game. So this is like, I mean, do we, what do we compare this to? Is this like when Oscar fought Pernell Whitaker for the welterweight title? Is this something like that? Uh, I think in terms a, a little bit, yes, but the Oscar was way more proven at that stage, right? Yeah, he was. He was. And, and Pernell was... Still way more on the, the downslope, right? Well, the beginning of the downslope. Not, you know what I'm saying? Like the beginning of the elder prime of his career. Whereas, well, you could, seriously, here's the thing. Loma's one bad performance away from Eric Raskin saying he's washed, right? Yeah, that, 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 that's what Raskin will do to you. Yeah. Wow. For, for this division, for this sport, I could not be more excited. 135, weight category. 135 is the damn home right now. I love this. Shout out to Teofimo for, for putting it back, doing what he had to do. Rafe, there's a lot of pressure on that kid. He seems to be, whether or not his boxing skill will allow him to beat the true damn elites, we don't know. But there, his makeup, he's, 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 he has the goods, Rafe. He has the goods on the inside, it seems. You read that deep Kriegel piece, right? About just how crazy his family really is? Yeah. I, look, he's carrying a lot and it, it and, I res- I I know that sort of the the safe thing to take away from that is man, his dad is is a little might be a little bit out of control and is putting way too much pressure on him. Not necessarily saying like from person to person saying you better win this, but publicly calling out fighters before the time yes. is even necessary to call them out. Really uh, ma- uh, making uh, yeah making making every fight into to a huge referendum on the entire family name. I like that Lo- that Teofimo embraces it and is like, you know what? I I don't sure say what you want to say. I am here in part to make my own legacy and to justify my dad's that he that he was here and he mattered and he helped me become what I am. 
yeah, the fact that he's able to juggle that and respect his, yeah, respect, that's, that's an interesting juggle with Joey Gamash in the corner now, a new influence. It's crazy. Do you have, would you be willing to give this message though to his dad? But this is what I got for Oscar. I got fish, scale, hit me up on the low, Oscar on a deep. Thank you. <laughs> Thank that you. that Thank kind you. of message should only be given from one crazy dad to another. Uh, I also have to say this, Rafe. Sometimes we get on ESPN. We're like, wait, what are you talking about? This week, Crawford's the pound for pound king. But next week, when you have Lomachenko on, you'll say he's the pound for pound king. Because I got caught up in this, too. I've been saying on podcasts the last two weeks, Lomachenko's the damn pound for pound king. Yet, the last time I did my pound for pound, I have Canelo number one. So here's what I'm going to say. Because this is, I'm taking ESPN off the hook for that. Because this is such a unique time in pound for pound history for me in my 10 years covering the sport, where there, like I said, there's four to five legitimate cases, right? I consider it a 10 way tie, personally. It's like four to five absolutely legitimate cases for pound for pound number one, right? Nioa, Nue, and Spence in that, if you wanted to go that far. Although I think yeah. you, you mute Spence to a degree because the Porter fight was so tough. But I am okay. That we almost have, like, every, it could be almost every week you change your number one. Yet, if anyone says Crawford's a pound for pound king, or Lomachenko, or Canelo, or Anue, they're all the pound for pound king because it's that close. Yeah, no, it's not a big deal. They, they are, they all have a very good argument for being the top. And it can depend on whatever you value more or who you value highest on the eye test or any of those sort of things. It's not, it's, uh, it, it, people uh, can get a little bit too caught up in who is where on the pound for pound list because the pound for pound list actually means nothing. Thank you. At least somebody got that debate right. Although I love pound for pound. I don't like, no, see, I don't like when people say it means nothing. It's actual currency. It's just that it's, people don't know how to do pound for pound list, Rafe. That's really my problem. Remember when Dan Raphael, after Floyd Mayweather retired, put Vladimir Klitschko as number one pound for pound in the world? Explain that to me, Rafe. That's just like his opinion, man. I mean, look, some people think that Robert Guerrero was a pound-for-pound fighter after he lost <laughs> to Floyd Mayweather, right? Shout out to David Avia for that one. Uh, wow. All right. Stop that crap. Stop it. Stop it. Uh, Raphael, uh, do you have two seconds to tell me whether you cared about Mick Conlon outpointing Vladimir Nikitin to avenge his amateur defeat? No, I didn't care. I didn't watch that Olympic fight either. I still didn't care. And... um I like now him. I care a little bit. I like him now as like, a person. He's a good dude. Yeah, yeah. Like look, Tom. look. Now, now you got that business over with. Great. You're you're sort of rising now. You're no longer just a prospect. You're, you can sort of call yourself a fringe contender from here. Go ahead. See where you're at at weight category one two six. His goal, it seems, is Josh Warrington, which is weird because I thought that was Shakur Stevenson's goal, and I thought Bob doesn't want to match those two together. Would you give Mick Conlon a chance against Josh Warrington? I have fears that Conlon just doesn't have the power to be elite at one two six. Yeah, I, I think that I, especially against sort of a hard charging type who's almost it seems undeterrable like Josh Warrington, um, that would be a difficult fight. But you know what? That's what the sport is, right? He's there yeah. if he keeps winning. He wants to, he probably wants to fight for a title. It will be. Hopefully against someone good, although in boxing, that's not always the case. Uh, just a reminder, at the level you should be looking, though, Shakur Stevenson right now. I think Stevenson is someone you need to look at. Hard. 
the whole man, Brian. Yes, please, please, okay? Yes, all right. Uh, Rafe, I wanted to uh, get into... That was that for the weekend, right? No one else fought. No, no one cares. No one, no one cares. All right. Um, there was like the 75-year-old guy who got a knockout over the weekend. There was a thing with Danny Williams. No. Decided, showed up in a suit. Oh, my God. That Danny Williams did a... Uh, did a uh, Curtis, Curtis Harper. Harper. He showed up in street clothes into the ring and then was like, I don't, I don't, what does he say? I'm sick. I'm injured. I can't fight. Yeah, I'm not feeling this. I'm not, I'm not, tonight, tonight's not my night. Not what? Danny's night. <laughs> Danny, Danny jacked, right? He did jack. Okay. Look, I, I, it just sets up an ultimate, uh, a great fight between him and Curtis Harper. It's got to happen. That's, now. that's too much for me. He just happened to have independently lost his balance. Come on. That, that's too much make believe. For me, please. please. That's that's poppycock, Rafe. Okay, no poppycock on this podcast. All right, uh, I'm going to run through some some latest news. We're going to do this rapid fire. Okay, I want to get your your two cents on them. You ready? All right, I'll try. Canelo Alvarez announces that he's vacating his WBO light heavyweight title because of the WBO stringent rules that actually force people to defend their title, and he's fine going back down and retaining his WBA 160 and 168 secondary titles. Your thoughts? The man learned well from Floyd Mayweather, right? What did Floyd do? He would bop up to 154 or some catchweight. Yeah, but they let him, the WBC let him keep that belt forever. Remember he put it on the line against Maidana in the rematch? I would, look, if I, if I were a sanctioning body with Floyd Mayweather as uh, my champion, I probably would let him keep that belt forever too. He, he made a lot of money in his fights. Um, yeah, he, Canelo is doing that. He goes up, wins a fight, comes back down, gives it up. It doesn't matter. He's bigger than any belt right now, so it's it's smart. It means that we aren't going to see something like a Artur Beterbiev fight, which will be just a huge, huge challenge for Canelo and something you would really he might he would definitely be ball sack of 2020 for for that kind of fight. But he doesn't have to take that. There are other good fights out there. We'll see what happens. Who do you think Canelo fights next? Is it Saunders or Callum at 168? It sounds like it's lining up that way. If it's between those two, I pref- I, I I favor the Englishman. Oh no, I favor the guy from Liverpool, uh, Callum Smith. I even though he didn't look great. Andrade on to replace Bud Crawford on last week's bonus episode. He's coming back, Rafe, in a fight against a guy you never heard of on Super Bowl weekend. It's a disowned triple header. But um, I asked him if he had any legitimate fears that Canelo will never fight him, that he'll just kind of linger at 68 the rest of the way for yeah, a while. Yeah, he should probably just expect that to happen, right? Yeah, I kind of feel like that's where it's going. I, do you feel like the zone at some point has to go, look, dude, we've invested in Andrade here. Oh, wait, He's wait, wait, I forgot. They're gonna just they're just going to make Triple G fight at 168 and send him, unfortunately, to yeah, old man hell. Yeah, I guess you're right. All right. You know, he might be eating some of the Canelo meat, so I'm going to go with Ryan Garcia. What? All I right. Mean, when you, when shoot, I mean, that's. Yeah, I wondered why they were that close. Uh, Rafe, I want to tell you that there's uh, some questionable Tyson Fury news. He has cut ties with young trainer Ben Davison, who was a part of this whole great comeback story, and now he announces he's joining forces with formerly known as Javon Sugar Hill, now Sugar Hill Stewart. Um. Of Kronk fame and Emmanuel Stewart fame. And it's about his love for Emmanuel. What the hell is really going? What's really going on here, Rafe? You, you don't change trainers like two months before the biggest fight of your career, do you? Baby, I just don't get it. Do you enjoy being hurt? I don't know, Brian. It's this news. 
is really uh, it bums me out in a lot on a lot of different levels because I think in terms of red flags, this is every bit as big as Andy Ruiz skipping skipping out on training for an extra two months, eating up the entire Downey Pizza Company, all the Dank City videos. This is equal to that in a different way. I don't think it means that Tyson Fury is not taking his preparation seriously for the rematch with Deontay Wilder. I just think if this, this is so risky to replace your trainer a little more than two months out from such a big fight. And Fury has never been trained in this sort of way. He's never been trained by the the professional bop around from, from fighter to fighter style trainer. I'm sure Sugar Hill Stewart, Virgil, Sugar, what, not Virgil, Virgil Hill, got knocked out with a body shot. Um, you know, I'm sure he's a fine trainer, but it's just such a, a steep degree of difficulty that they're setting for themselves. And Fury, a guy who was trained by his uncle, basically taught to fight by his family. Well, trained by then, his dad until his dad took that guy's eyeball out, then trained by his uncle. Right. And then, and then, what, did his dad make it to the beginning of his or, pro career? I thought he was already, anyway. I think, it, I think it was like Floyd. I think it was early on that he went to jail and then whatever. Yes. So, you know, Peter Fury, you know, basically kept it all in the family at the beginning. Then, Ben Davison... Is essentially became family to him, like a like a brother. The, but person the family who, hated Ben Davison, they, I, that, which which may be behind this, unfortunately. Um, but who the hell knows? Well, they, here's they say my, that they're still close. My fear was Ben Davison's like cryptic comments about like, unfortunately, we've made decisions that will force us to go in separate ways. That teased me to believe that Fury's maybe off the wagon. maybe off the wagon, and Ben's like, look, I can't go down this road with you if you're going to be like this. I can't be your trainer anymore. I don't know if that's true, but it's it's because look, like say, no disrespect to Sugar Hill Stewart, but like outside of being Emmanuel Stewart's nephew, and yeah, like he was a trainer of of uh, Anthony Durrell, right, to a title, and he's been around. Donna Stevenson. Yeah, I mean he's, he's he's trained some guys. He's a solid trainer, but it's it's not like this is the level of when somebody goes, look, I'm sorry, trainer who's been with me forever. We're cutting ties. I'm going to Freddie Roach, right? Like when you're going to that celebrity level, you're like, all right, I get it, what they're doing here. And you and you do that after a loss, after yeah. – right, immediately, not not two months, not right days before you're supposed to start training camp or when you probably should have already been starting to ramp up training camp. The timing is a big, is a big red flag. The other problem, the other big concern is just I don't think that – you know, and, and, you know, while it is difficult to put ourselves in a position of speculating about, you know, Tyson Fury's mental health and is the possibility of him getting back into some of the substance abuse problems, unfortunately, because that he has a history of that and people relapse all the time with stuff like that, you have to consider it. And, and while also hoping that it is not that kind of situation. Um, and, and also just he has such an erratic personality to begin with the way that he, how how can he how can this work with any other trainer? Because the way that he dragged himself out from these from that hole he was in was basically, if you listen to him talk on interviews, through working out, through exercise, he replaced uh, yes. uh, real addictions with a workout addiction, with training, with boxing addiction. And does that mean that Sugar Hill Stewart is going to be 
basically sleeping next in the same room as Tyson Fury, as Ben Davison sometimes did with Michelle yeah. Dilley Phillips visiting. What you and eat, saying, champ, I eat. What you sleep with, right, I exactly. sleep with. And, and, and like when you want to train, if, if Tyson wakes up at three in the morning and says, let's work the pads, does, does, Stuart, does you know, Vir, Virgil Hill Stewart do that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it happens that way. It's a really scary thing, I think, and it and it's hard not to imagine the worst. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, who has jacked out of fights in the past, right? There was no, a Klitschko rematch. It didn't exist. He'll never back uh, down. He'll be here till he can't breathe. But you need them pies that you had the other night. You need like five or ten more of those pies. That's going to help you get your confidence up and get Deontay your weight down. Wilder, you we know this ain't no pie, right? He's not a pie. No, this is a really no. dangerous fight. To beat Deontay Wilder, I think we've seen – Time and again now, you need to walk the tightrope. You need to fight an almost perfect, if not perfect, fight why, for 12 rounds. You want to know why? Huh? Uh, the man's got killing power. Yeah. And if he doesn't kill you, he can probably leave your brain damaged. All right, we got to roll on or this show's going to be too long. I want to say one thing. I just want to say one thing. The thing that really bums me out, if this if Fury, for whatever reason, because of, of the learning curve with a new trainer or because other personal stuff has gone on with him, isn't his best, and he loses against Deontay Wilder in February. You know what's the thing that will bother me most about that, Brian? Everyone is going to do the dumbass thing they always do and say that he lost the first fight. He won the first yeah, fight. Yeah, I will not let anyone. That yeah. happened. Yeah. I mean. And he's not going to get the credit for it if he loses this one. Yeah. We both know it did exist. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, seriously. You, you can say you don't know what I'm talking about. But, but I'm seriously I know, saying it. And you know. It did exist. No, I don't know. Uh, Rafe, Mikey Garcia signs a reported $7 million deal to join DAZN for one fight with Eddie Hearn in Matchroom Sport. It'll be in February. They're saying probably it'll be against that fella. Uh, what's his name? The guy that uh, Manny beat, uh, Jesse Vargas, and that there would be an option for Eddie Hearn for a second, and the underlying goal of this would be once Pacquiao's PBC deal is done, that the 41-year-old senador would fight Mikey Garcia on his own for many, many millions. Is this – can we get there? It's tough for me to have confidence because Mikey Garcia is such a shrewd businessman. Remember, he he, two, he took two years to get out of his top rank deal. In the middle of his prime, he's just like, I'm, I'm leaving the sport. So he's like in control. He's got offers from everybody but wants to do it one fight at a time. Is this realistic, Rafe, that – he wins at one fall seven against uh, that guy and then fights Pacquiao. Is it real? It's not. Com- it's not completely unrealistic. And I think we got to give we got to give a little golf clap to Mikey Garcia for playing the system extremely well, right? He, especially this free agent thing, in a time when the media is and the fans are so focused on the promotional disputes, he makes something as sort of boring and meaningless as a one fight deal with the zone to fight a guy that no one really care has cared about for several years. Seven million, Rafe. Seven million. With a huge bag of cash attached. He makes a huge bunch of money and it makes huge news only because he's moving it's like, oh we signed we had a big free agent signing. What a transaction. No, who cares? It's a fight most of us aren't gonna bother watching or I will I love it. Yeah. It's a decent fight. And is there a chance if there's enough mo- look you can get if, if Manny is contractually allowed to do something like that, right? As if this his third fight with PBC will be the last on his contract, then he's up for a you know up as a free agent, and DAZN throws the bigger bag at Manny. Yeah, 
I, I imagine that whoever, wherever, whoever he fights next, it will take place on the zone. But uh, that's a lot of things to line up. And also, I think it, it, one thing you could say, why was, uh, you know, why was Dazone necessarily hailed as the, as the winner of the deal just because they signed? Isn't, Seven million, couldn't you why. say that PBC won this, won, won the long game here by getting six fights with Mikey, letting him lose to their bigger star, helping turn Errol Spence into a bankable pay-per-view star, and then saying, all right, somebody else is willing to pay you a ton of money to fight a, a lack, a sort of so-so fight. Go, have fun. Got to give Mikey the ball sack of the year award for taking that fight. Cause still do, still do. I don't think you're wrong on what you said, though. It, it works out well. Speaking of Garcia's DSG, the swag champ, is back January 25th, Brooklyn, Showtime. Ivan Redcock is the opponent, Rafe. Everyone got mad at this on Twitter. The boxing cynics. It's not the best matchup ever, no. But we know that Danny wants to fight Spence, and Spence is recovering from the accident. From a stay busy, entertain me for a night standpoint, this fight's going to be fire. I, I didn't necessarily get why people hated it that much, Rafe. Do you well, think Danny Garcia is just going to go? It might be that they saw him get sent to hell by John Molina I know, about two years ago. But he's he's it's a fertile time. He's fresh off of moving up to 47 and knocking out Devin Alexander. I know that's not the biggest win ever, but my whole point is this. It's not that Danny Garcia is just going to go, oh, Spence isn't available, so let's fight Thurman. We know that's how this works. Redcock's not 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 bad TV. This is, I don't know, maybe it, I'm just It could be the- good TV. I also think that you're right. They deserve a little bit of leeway on this matchmaking because – the the intention was clear to make a Garcia Spence fight, which everyone approved of as, Hey, that's a good fight. So, uh, and and it was certainly not Danny Garcia or anyone else's, but Errol Spence's fault that, that he got into an accident and that's unfortunate. So they're trying to make something out of the leftovers. I think the, the, where I come in with some criticism is that there are more interesting welterweights in a very deep stable of welterweights at, PBC. Why not Sergey Lipinets? Why not Jamal James, who's never gotten a big fight and has been just doing nothing but winning? There, there are guys above that, above the Redcock level, um, who I would have preferred. But I'm not going to lose my mind over it because it was just a bad situation. Same Berto. Yeah. Why not Berto? Would you have been fine if it was Robert Vo? Garcia? I would be okay if it was Vo. I, I'm sorry, Robert Guerrero in a rematch? No, we don't need. Did he fight Danny Garcia? Yeah, right. Yeah, he already lost to Danny Garcia. All right, all right. Uh, Rafe, it's time for a weekend preview. Are you? Oh, that. Sorry. Are you okay with this too? In that co-main event, January twenty fifth, you're going to get Jarrett Hurd, not back at once, not moving up to one sixty like teased, back at fifty four against what's the guy's name? Chia Santana, Francisco Chia Garcia or, or San, Santana. He's the guy I... that Lamont Peterson landed ninety seven thousand body shots on on the Garcia Salca co-main, right? Oh man, well that that you're going that is a deep cut. I can't remember. That sounds about right. But did you see the the good tweet by J Rock Williams being like, "Get off this guy's back. He didn't want to fight me in the immediate rematch, and he deserve. Look at his resume. He deserves a comeback fight. I actually support that, Rafe. I think that that's that that, that is true. There's got. I think that can't you say there's a better comeback fight out there than than this recycled opponent? Well, look, it's a co- My point on this is, it's a co-main. It's not an FS1 main event, right? Like, so it's like, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, Maybe I just have uh, low expectations. I'm probably, I probably should, should finish my. Low story. expectations is a good survival skill, however, yeah. uh, in this sport as a fan or a person in the media. 
Um, what are your thoughts on, in terms of the PBC, what network gets the big fights? Fox opens with a J-Rock fight on Fox against somebody we never heard of. But Showtime gets Danny Garcia in a entertaining yet probably predictable fight. I'm, I'm, I think Showtime wins the early start here. Um, what was the, the PBC? That was the Fox fight. Uh, J- Julian J. Rock Williams against someone you never heard of. Against, I don't know. They're both good. I'll, I'll watch them both. I like both fighters. They, who cares? I'm not I, Showtime and Fox. That's they can fight amongst All themselves. Right, I'm not I'm trying not to make you mad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, Rafe. I can't sit here and get you angry anymore. It's time to bring this show home. Weekend preview. Do you care? Are you ready? Are you fired up? Are you here, Rafe? Brian, this is our time of year. This is the legendary Night of Champions early PBC days time of year. And I see some of those cards coming this weekend where they're just deep with names you recognize fighting TBAs and names you don't recognize. And it's going to be fantastic. I'm ready to care like I've never cared before. All right, here's where we're going to start, Rafe. Let's talk Jeff Horn. Yes, Rafe, it's the <laughs> rematch. It's here. Yes, it's now. What is uh? What is today's day? Uh, this is tomorrow night. Tomorrow. I don't know if it's night or morning. Wednesday in Australia. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Brisbane, the rematch. Michael Zarafa, Jeff Horn, 12 rounds middleweights. Zarafa stopped Jeff Horn the first time around, just wore him down, sent him to hell. It was Glenn Rushton who said maybe Jeff Horn should finish afterwards. Jeff Horn has defied his family, defied expectations, defied the danger, and says, no, I need to run this back. We need to do this a second time. And why, you might ask? Jeff Horn was a real man. Yeah. He said, Manny Pacquiao, you don't got nothing. Because Jeff Horn was a real man. Yeah. That's why, Rafe. But did you see the quotes from Zarafa getting me fired up? First, he sends Guy Ritchie to hell via body shot. And now he comes back and says, quote, I beat Jeff easy the first time. Rematches are close or disputed fights. Horn is a souk. And I've spent every day since then focused on putting his boxing career away for good. Mark my words. I will retire Jeff Horn December 18th. You don't have my power. I'm going to knock you out. I'm ending your effing career, end quote. Rafe, all jokes aside, all seriousness in front of us, here is something you can't understand. Michael Zarafa just killed a man, and now he's saying, Jeff Horn, I'm ending your career. Wow, brother, drama down under. Yeah, Zarafa, the backstory there is Zarafa is pissed off that Horn's team asked for the immediate rematch when Zarafa would have likely gotten the fight with Ryota Murata for a middleweight belt over so not that Japan guy in over over in in the land of the rising sun uh and so he's losing money because of that he he would have gotten a big payday for that got to fight probably on ESPN or ESPN plus or ESPN the Ocho plus and Instead, he has to deal with Jeffrey again, and he is not happy about it. It was that there is serious bad blood here. Do you let me, do you think that that Jeffrey can improve on his performance? There was talk of him going a little bit uh, dank city, a little too much pizza the first time around at middleweight. Do you it can it, it, was that the issue, or or is he just going to get sent back to hell? I hope that if there was any issue in him taking that fight lightly or not training up to his full degree. I hope he comes back. I do have fears that middleweight is just too much for him. I know it was tough for him to make welterweight, and he was a big welterweight. 
But I know that all Australian heroes have to end up facing each other regardless of weight class, as the shapeshifter Anthony Modine has found out many times. And by the way, shout out to another top, top bloke from down under, Alex McClintock. I am in the beginning process of reading his On the Chin book. Great, great way to read about a, uh, a, uh, an amateur boxing career. But, um, this is some serious drama because we don't know. Like, this actually might be the end of the Jeff Horn experiment if he gets sent to hell again. This is a tough-ass matchup. Zarafa, great dancer, can punch Rafe. This is, like, the slop I'm here for. This is a down-under, absurd, carnival, Super Bowl. How do we see this, though? Are you telling me the plus can't pick this up? Did they? I don't think they have, and they didn't have the first one. I don't understand why. I don't know if Dean Lonergan is still upset at how top rank. Did them dirty with the, I don't know, whatever it was with the postponement of, of the first Terrence Crawford fight when he had the hand injury and he's, you know, banging Naga quarters on it or whatever the heck he said. Um, <laughs> Dean Lonegrid's the worst. He should just harden up, like seriously, bang it full of quarters on it and get on with it. <laughs> um, I don't know what the story is. Last time was rough. We had to fight, we, like, the boxing community was just. Searching people's Facebook Live bro- accounts to, until they found some woman who was filming the shooting the fight from like midway somewhere in the middle of the arena. In where was it? Bendigo, Bendigo. That uh, woman shooter. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Well, thank thank you to that woman shooter. I hope that she is there uh, again or someone like her because we need to see this fight, Brian. Yeah, we do. We do. I am so. I, there was just of... boxing on Kazakhstan on ESPN Plus last night. I what know. is happening? I, I, look, we get all that MTK global crap. Come on. Great. These Yanks are nowhere near as tough as they make themselves out to be, and I can't wait for our Australia boy to go up and kick his ass. Wow, wow. They're both Australia boys in this one. Rafe, do you have a prediction? I, I, I mean, do you think Jeffrey can? I mean, like, what, look, we we did ask uh, Joe Horn her thoughts on this. <laughs> yeah, right, Jeffrey. Like, <laughs> I don't think so. But anyway, I mean, this, dream, you this know. could be the the the. Tr- the school teacher turned hero. This could be all over again, right? This is the type of comeback that that people are here for. This is Rocky three ish. Well, he is not fighting in Zarafa's hometown of Bendigo this time. He's back in his on his home turf Bendigo. in Horn Country. Yes, I think it's Bendigo. Uh, he's back on Horn Country in <laughs> Brisbane, on the near the Gold Coast. Um, but I, I don't. I just don't see. I think he's cashing out, Brian. Oh my God! I mean. The, the guy has balls, Rafe. He fights like a tough, tough gang member. All right. It, is this a morning fight? I need to actually be ready. It for will this. be a morning fight. It's always because it'll be evening there and it will be morning here. So they they got to be like 15 hours ahead of us. Wednesday morning of this week, you're saying I can wake up, get out of bed, drag a comb across my head. Sure. Smell the crystals. And, and find a stream, right? Go streaming, right? That's right. Look, I find a stream first time, first thing out of bed every morning. All right. <laughs> All right. Hey, Wednesday, there's another fight you might want. Barranquilla, Colombia. Are you ready? Main event, 12 rounds welterweights. Gabriel Maestri versus Diego Chavez. I can't do it. I'm, I'm, I'm no more. I'm not getting sucked in <laughs> by Diego Chavez again. He, he took me, took my heart too many times. He'll take your heart. I'm not going to let him take, take my soul. soul. Yeah. Yeah. Take, t- take his house out away. Right. Yeah. He took his nuts. Now you got to take his whole. Yeah. Take his whole soul away. Um, he's 33 years old, Rafe. He's still from Argentina. Um, 
Oh, my Wi-Fi. My, my Wi-Fi is, is, <laughs> is dead. <laughs> great, great success. All right. Um, I'm going to bring up his box record because I want to let you know. Last time I at. saw him, he was getting sent to hell on body shots by Jamal James uh, in Lancaster, California. He's 27-5-1, 33 years old. I think this is the wash period of his career, Rafe. His nickname is still La Jolla, and he has lost three of his last four. Stopped by Jamal James. Stopped by Thulani Mbenge, and a decision loss to Magobed Kurbanov. Yeah, well, you know he he did give Tim Bradley a tough fight in that split draw, Rafe, and he did that lose would, by. Oh, that, that's right, he did. Yeah, he got knocked and, out by Keith Thurman, and he rocked Thurman in that fight, and then he and then he had that war with Brandon Rios, in which he was yeah. winning, and then the DQ. Right? I didn't. I didn't agree with that, that DQ. I gotta say, the yes, the yes, Argentine finger bang man, yes. boxing Twitter's finest moment. Yeah, <laughs> that should be a moment of the decade on our decade-ending show. All right, uh, Rafe, are you fired up for this Friday night London DAZN card? I don't know if it's night, to be honest. But um, oh yeah, I'm fired up for this. Ten and O prospect Richard Reakpour, Dick Rickpour is going to take on Jack Macy for the vacant British cruiserweight title. Rafe. You love it when we're cruising together. What do you know about Richard Reactpour? Very little. I think he beat somebody decent, though. Take that. Hey, Hopi Price is back on this undercard. Hell yes. TBA. All right, you in on that? The great white Hopi. I'm on this train for as long as it lasts. All right, all right. Um, Saturday, Friday night, Phoenix, zone. This is what you should care about. Danny Jacobs, who has a stick, Rafe, right? Danny Jacobs, you're the boy. Uh, he's going to make his 168 debut against 171-pound lineal champion, former 172-pound lineal champion, and former middleweight title holder, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Or will it happen? Are we still in flux over this lawsuit? What's going on here, Rafe? We know that Jr. ran out the back door of a drug test, but then they say the papers weren't finalized. I don't know. You tell me. Yeah, well, I, I don't know either. As we as we speak here, uh, early Tuesday afternoon on the East Coast, there is still no resolution to this issue, and uh, the fight is kind of still up in the air. That's why Gabriel Rosado is a very good boy. He's down there on the undercard, ready to fight Danny if need be. Oh, uh, Danny's got Chavez stick for that Jr. Way. Chavez Jr. has sued the, the Nevada Commission for a temporary restraining order on their ruling so that he can do this fight. I can't – it's kind of crazy that they were talking about some Bob Father comments. He went in on what uh, Eddie Hearn and, uh, and Matt Shroom are doing to try and squeeze this fight through the, the regulators. And I think not – yeah, he, he not only – it's not just those moments when Bob is taking some shots at a – at a rival promoter, which he is known to do from time to time. Um, he's actually got a point here that they're trying to circumvent the rules here. They're trying, basically trying to either get a, a temporary ruling or delay in long enough so that uh, Chavez can get licensed in Arizona for this fight. It sounds crazy to me because if they are successful, either way, they're going to piss Nevada off, right? Either Nevada prevails and says this fight ain't happening and, and Arizona goes along with it or they succeed and they piss Nevada off even worse for making them look bad Eddie Hearn could get his promoter's license revoked that could affect him in every jurisdiction why would you go to through these lengths for Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I don't know because uh, he 
I don't know. Maybe they are guaranteed a lot of money. I don't know. I don't know, Rafe. This is just a weird situation. It's a carnival fight to begin with. It's like part of, part of it drives you in for that circus nature. Then part of you is like, I don't know. It's it's just not a good situation. Do I actually want to see though Danny Jacobs against uh against your boy uh Poppy? Your son's gonna die. No, I don't really want to see that. Gabe Rosado That's... like is a great fighter for these type of situations, but I don't think I really want to see that. Not not a very high on anyone's list. Although I I gotta say it might be a more fun fight than Chavez Jr. I don't know. He, uh, so Gabriel, good boy. He's one three and one in his last five. Rafe. It was a stoppage win over Glenn Tapia. He had a draw with Luis Arias, and then the losses to Selechki, Martin Murray, and William Monroe Jr. But you remember, he almost knocked out Selechki at the end of that fight. Yeah, he was that's coming true. on. Wow, he had that stretch where he got stopped by Gennady. No decision he has, with Jaleon. He, he's he's going to have some problems later. <laughs> stopped by Kid Chocolate. Decision loss to Jermel, which he, some people thought he won, and then sent to hell by Lemieux. Wow. Gabriel his his game. He shows up. All right, we got to roll through. We got to... We got to uh, roll out. This undercard, here. Brian, is a classic night of champions. It they got really Josh is. Kelly on this undercard. Fighting. I hope they brought in a plasterer from here the local go. council for the good people of Phoenix. Do you care about the co-main event? Julio Cesar Martinez versus Christopher Rosales for the vacant WBC flyweight title. Yeah, that should be one of those fun, like, I don't even know who these little mother effers are. And damn, they're fighting hard. That's what this is going to be. And, yeah, I, I say tune in for that one. Skip the main event. Maurice Hooker versus Uriel Perez, 10 rounds welterweights. Mo Hooker going up to 147. They said it would happen. I, I'm not sure if he's going to stay there or not. But, hey, he might fight Terrence Crawford sometime soon. Josh Kelly versus He trains Winston, with them, though. Damn. Winston Campos. I think this is the comeback for Josh Kelly coming off of that draw with uh, the other Ray Robinson, right? Correct, correct. All right. Liam Beefy Smith is at middleweight against Roberto Garcia. Wow, okay. It just keeps going on this card. Uh, Gabriel against Humberto Gutierrez Ochoa, super middleweights, Rafe. Uh, wow, okay. There's some people. Uh, that's that's an interesting fight. Um, I'm going to keep rolling here, Rafe. Saturday, London, ESPN+. Plus. Are you ready for heavyweight prospect Daniel Dubois versus Kayotaro Fujimoto? Yeah? Yes, it's going to be hilarious. This That, that poor Japanese guy, Brian. He is. He doesn't look like he's ready for this. He looks like a club fighter. He's got terrible red dyed hair. It's going to be sloppy, fantastic, fast, and brutal. All right. Uh, Alantes Fox and Liam Williams, junior middleweight eliminator on the undercard. You don't care. We got to get faster here. Saturday is the big one. Ontario, California on Fox. Tony Harrison, Jermel Charlo, 364 days after their disputed decision in which Tony Harrison won in Brooklyn. They're going to do this again, Rafe. Look, you know I, I, I'm fired up. I sat in on the face-to-face. I had both on the podcast yesterday. Do you actually care, though, about this rematch, Rafe? Because to me, not just the bad blood stuff, which is great. This is a real interesting fight on my end, on, on the way I see it. How do you actually see it, Rafe? Hell yes, I care. And I agree that it is a very interesting fight. I want to see what else Jermel Charlo comes with if it was a, a down performance last year. Or if he, you know, he shows some other element to his game that, that kind of elevates him, gives him some distance between what we saw against Tony Harrison last year and what we're going to see against Tony Harrison on Saturday. Do you, I guess, who do you favor? Or do you think that, that Harrison with his boxing ability is, is just always going to be a tough out, a tough matchup for Charlo? Uh, the Russian, I think, is, is more to my liking. I think that, that Tony Harrison, 
benefited. He outperformed Charlo's expectations in that first fight. Let's not forget, this was a double Charlo showcase, the first PBC on Fox card. I think the problem for the Charlos collectively is they don't throw enough punches if they're not forced to. And that leaves the door open for someone to outbox them. And I think Tony Harrison fought a strong fight. I think he landed bigger shots than Charlo expected. And I think he had a chin that was better than most of us expected, considering we'd seen Tony Harrison get stopped by, what, Willie Nelson and and, uh, Jarrett Hurd. So I think this was just more of an off night for Jamel, and he got surprised. He thought he had done enough to win. And then when the score's ready, he's like, oh, wait, what? I think that the one year gone by... The judges didn't already know, man. The Charlo... I think Jermel's really mad at Tony for pulling out. I do think he believes himself when he says, you know, you pulled out because you weren't ready. Maybe you got stopped in sparring. I think this is the setup for Charlo to come back and have the knockout spectacular win. But, Rafe, he's got to be a Jermel Charlo who he's never really been. Charlo is so damn good, potentially, right? He's so promising, but he doesn't always put the whole package together unless you come after him and then he can get you out of there. I think Harrison is going to try again with that hot and cold style, right? Like he'll pepper you when he's close, but he's trying to outbox and, and, and frustrate Charlo. Charlo's got a straight up step on the gas pedal. I think if either Charlo does that against anybody, they can win by knockout. I think they're explosive and spectacular. So I think Jermel has the anger and is passionate enough now to do what he should have done last December. I like Charlo by knockout, but I am not discounting Tony Harrison's potential to make this a very good fight. One more little question for you, Brian. Is Jermel Charlo too in his feelings for this fight? The the fury, the rage that he has been, the warpath he's on for Tony Harrison, is he going to try too hard? Is he going to... Might he be on load watch at some point? Because he wants to, he want, like he says, he wants to sleep Tony Harrison so bad. Is he going to fight the wrong fight in some way or another because of how bad he wants this win? No. Um, people, look, anyone that's watched the face-to-face, all the comments I've seen on YouTube, people are like, oh, my God, Charlo's in his feelings. Oh, my God. I think that's just who he is, dude. He's a passionate, emotional person, and I think it's going to bring out the best in him. So I think this is actually what he needs, Rafe, to get that killer guy that we saw blow away like uh erickson lubin blow away charles hatley right like a guy no granted those guys kind of came after him more but still i think this is going to be the motivation he needs where i think he's he slept walk and rode his own talent in the first fight and got surprised so yeah but are you do you care from the um the pro wrestling side of it are you into that oh yeah the 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 trash talk i i honestly think i mean charlo is an interesting character with how just mad he gets at everything yes but it, I really think that Tony Harrison did the great job selling this because he's just so quick-witted, so profane, so disrespectful that it, it to me, he really, really brought the goods and sold the hell out of this fight. We got to see the run-up twice because of the injury, so I'm not mad at that at all. I do think that you're that if Charlo fights and can execute and sustain a faster pace, whether or not it leads to a knockout. It will, it has a better chance of creating what we've seen in the past, which is that Harrison has, has faded down the end of the fights that he's lost, right? He was beating Willie Nelson pretty easily. He was probably winning through the first half, even against Jared Hurd, and True. then Hurd, as Hurd does, sort of, you know, turned it, turned it over on him. Um, if Charlo can, can push Harrison 
I think that maybe he can push him to get a stoppage or, or, or he'll come on late and win by decision. Uh, the co-main event is not going to happen, apparently. Guillermo Rigondeaux was supposed to fight Liborio Solis for the vacant WBA regular Bantam title. Solis's visa did not come through. Did they find a replacement, Ray, or no? I don't know. Maybe because it's a title fight, it, then you can't really bring in a re- replacement in the same Tough way. Tough break. I wanted to see Rigo in this spot. We will get F.A. Ajagba versus Iago Kaladzis at heavyweight. That should be sloppy and fun, right? Yeah, Kaladze, he gets he's there to get knocked out, right? He's four rounds and then gets sent. Yeah, he better have to get inside of him. Jack Tapora versus Oscar Escondon, Knight of Champions style, ten rounds. Oh my god, weights. one of the one of the originators of the the one of the men at Knight of Champions, Oscar Escondon. Yes, robbing poor Tyson Cave. Um, I no, think no, no, that no, no. Uh, my man Jack is going to win that one. Andre Durrell versus Juan Ubaldo Cabrera, 10-round super middleweights. I, I don't care. I'd watch that. Hugo Centeno Jr. is back against Juan Macias Montiel, 10-rounds middleweights. I, I'll watch that. He's got a great hair, Rafe. Okay? He's got good hair. Good hair. Definitely got um, good hair. Anybody else on this undercard we care about? Not really. Not really. Are Are you going to be finding a stream for Hamburg, Germany on Saturday when Jürgen Brommer faces Jürgen Doberstein? Oh, I love me some Jürgen Doberstein. That's some Jürgen on Jürgen crime. If you're still here, Doberstein has a hella funny Instagram account. He comes into the ring with a terrible Doberman mask on. It's oh and then God. takes pictures posing with Doberman dogs. He lives his nickname. He's great. All right, there would be another big Australian fight on Saturday. Hertzville, Australia. Billy Dib in the main event. Ten rounds junior lightweights against Van Theo Tran. Uh, if that is a big fight in Australia, I uh, I feel sorry for the people of Australia. Although Hertzville, great place to catch any boxing. Hey, match. Yousef Dib is on the undercard. Does that mean he's related to Billy Yousef? Dib? Yes, yeah. There is there are like two. There's at least one, maybe two other Dibs. All right, Rafe. Saturday, Krasnyarsk, Russia. You back, baby. You do love it when we're cruising together. Are you even prepared to talk about this? Dennis Lebedev versus Stabisko Munchunu, 12 rounds cruiserweights. I am very in on this. I, I'm a little disappointed because when this was first announced, it was supposed to be my man, Junior Makabu. Yes. Makabi Games, Eric Raskin, was supposed to go on and kill another Russian, three Russians in one year. I, th- I don't think it was, I don't think they wanted to go through that. In in the, the 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 proud country of Russia, so they got Mchunu instead. Mchunu, you know, he still is not bad, but he doesn't. He's low output, and Lebedev will pro- and he's not probably not going to knock Lebedev out. Lebedev probably gets back into the game. The yes. giant potato head Rubadub is back. Co-main event: The Hammer, Dmitry Kudryashov yes. versus Vaklav Pezsar. Pezjar, Pezsar. Yes, yes. I don't know if they can make a cross Russian rivalry match but lebedev and uh my man the hammer kudrashov oh my god just stick it in my veins brian you already know you'll watch that uh hey, um monday from yokohama japan on espn plus are you down for ryota murata putting his wba regular middle against stephen butler 
No, because no, no. he should have waited for my man Michael Zarafa to get off the pole yeah. and get in that fight. Ken Shiro will take on Randy yes! Pedalcorin for Shiro's WBC Junior Flyweight. I can't get into that. Oh, you got it. No, are you not up on Ken Shiro? No, no I'm not. Get up. Let me just tell you, get up on him. He is good. Get up on that. Uh, Marudi Mathalane will defend his IBF Flyweight title against Akira Yagashi. Should I be in on that? Uh, you should kind of get in on that. Yagashi is a is a fading, you know, warrior, and Mumtalani is one of these pretty good old South African fighters. This that's a good card, Brian. All right, how about this for an undercard bout? Are you ready? He's back. Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, eight rounds junior bantamweights against Diomel Diokos. Okay, I'm, is this I'm, the first you know, fight since SSR? No, he he sent some guy to hell in like six rounds on an HBO undercard. All right, I'm into that. I, I, thank you, thank you very much. At least we got this show right, Rafe. I got we got to get out of here. We out, but um, enjoy your your Christmas, Raphael. Thank you. In Same to you and Kwanzaa, and whatever. your lovely family, the, the the boys, everyone in the Campbell household. Uh, we know what matters in the Campbell household, and that's family and Christmas and love. Wow, wow. Thank you, Rafe. I can't follow that. Shout out to Big G Bartholomew and Bear the Dog and the lovely lady in your life, Rafe. All right? Enjoy Detroit. Your first Detroit Christmas. All right. Uh, Please check out our interviews with Charlo and Harrison on Monday show. And thank you to all of our great weirdo listeners. Thank you for being a part of what the SOC does, which is get in your cochlea eye and just bring it. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to all of you. We love you. We love you all. Godinez, Sacramento Zone, we love you, brother. That's it. Maybe I just don't get it. Yeah. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 